Valérie Martin was killed on December 17, 2008, and this is her mother's story. Mourning the Murdered is a podcast I created because in 1999, I know someone that was murdered. My name is Kelly, and I am your host. Murder causes confusion and fear in communities. It certainly did for me. But you know what? I can't even begin to imagine the effect it has on families, on loved ones, on children. The sadness. The loss. I wanted to create a podcast that would give a voice to loved ones of murdered victims. Mourning the Murdered is that podcast and is created in remembrance of our victims. You will never be forgotten. The opinions expressed on Mourning the Murdered are not necessarily those of the host, producer, or its broadcasters. Sensitive topics will be discussed and are not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Hochelaga Maisonneuve is situated on the eastern half of the island of Montreal. It is located southwest of the famed Olympic Stadium, which is located in the Olympic Park. The Olympic Stadium was built in the mid-1970s for the 1976 Olympics. It is nicknamed the Big O, in reference to not only its name, but also because of the donut shape of the roof. This area is a mix of mostly Quebecois, students, and recent immigrants. This village is named after a First Nations village of the same name, Hochelaga. There is a lot of construction going on in this borough, and you see many orange cones and redirection of traffic everywhere. The city, along with many developers, are trying to revive Hochelaga Maisonneuve by building new housing and also turning industrial buildings into lofts and housing co-ops. There are many restaurants and socially responsible boutiques opening in the area, trying to add to the upgraded feel of the town. There's no lack of things to do here, either indoors or out. Maisonneuve Park offers a vast four-season playground, and Morgan Park, with its water fountain, beautiful landscaping, and magnificent bandstand, is a neighborhood family favorite. There is also the Biodome and the Planetarium to visit. So much going on there. With all of the potential this borough has to offer, the city is trying to make this a family-safe area. Unfortunately, Hochelaga Maisonneuve is one of the poorest neighborhoods in Montreal. Montreal as a whole is one of the safest big cities in North America, but this city publishes a map of the highest crime rates in Montreal and its surrounding areas, and Hochelaga is on it. Hello, Rachel. It's Kelly from Morning the Murdered podcast. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for receiving me. It's not going to be an easy one. 
Well, that's okay. It's a very difficult topic. Yes. Valérie Martin was born on May 3rd at the Jewish General Hospital. She was a twin. Her twin brother very sadly died when he was only 38 days old. Valérie was baptized in her mother's hometown in New Brunswick. She mostly grew up in Montreal, living with her mother and enjoying life. When she was 14 months old, she had another brother who was born, and she loved him immediately. She wanted to spend all of her time playing with him. Her mother, Rachel, decided to move back to her hometown in New Brunswick. But as she wasn't particularly close with her family, Rachel, Valerie, and her new brother only stayed there for a few years and then moved back to the Montreal area. The three of them had fun playing together and were a very close-knit family. When Valerie was in her early teen years, she moved back to New Brunswick to live with her aunt for a few years. Deciding to come back to Montreal as she got older, and she wanted to be close to her mother and brother again. There was one family member that they were very close to, and that was Valerie's great aunt. Valerie's mother calls this aunt her tree trunk, as she has always been there for her and her children. And they still speak every day, which brings Rachel some hope in her daily struggles. Valerie always felt the loss of her twin brother, and that may have added to the troubles that she found in her older teen years, which led to a life that her mother was struggling so hard to help her get out of. Valerie felt as though she was missing something her whole life, and Rachel believes it was the twin brother that died in infancy. Rachel struggled with this loss as well, Rachel grew up in a house with a mother that wasn't around very much, and she swore she would be home with her own children and be a full-time parent, to be there for all of their events, the good times and the bad, the ups and the downs, to help give support to her children the way her aunt did for her, to be a good, loving mom, which she was. So let's go back in time and start when Valerie was born. What was it like that day for you? Oh my gosh, I had a pair of twins and she had a brother, which I lost 38 days after. He lived for, he did not live long, but it was uh, the best day of my life. I was expecting on having a boy and a girl in my life and I got it one shot on the first shot. And do you have any other children? Yes, I have another son. How old was Valerie when your other son was born? Well, they had actually 14 months difference, so I had two babies and diapers and bottles. What a job. What a job for sure. all all worth every second. Absolutely. (laughs) And were they very close when they were young? Well, as much as when they were young, they were always fighting. As much as when she got older, they were hanging out together and they were always together. So they grew into best friends then? Yes, they did. Even more so. And what was Valerie like when she was a child? Ooh, she's a tourist like her mom. So there was a lot of head bumping. 
she had it in her. She uh, was really alive, sometimes too much. <laughs> oh. Say, but she was a good-hearted person. She was very sensitive. She was so beautiful. Yes, I saw her picture, and she was absolutely gorgeous, that's for sure. Yes. Valerie and her brother grew up together and had a very close relationship that turned into a friendship as they got older. Valerie and her brother enjoyed each other's company very much and spent many hours together having fun and enjoying life. Unfortunately for Rachel, Valerie's mom, her relationship with her son deteriorated after Valerie's murder. As a mom, she wanted to talk about her daughter, relive her memories, have someone to share them with, which she hoped could be her son, Valerie's brother. But people grieve differently. Rachel also wanted to solve Valerie's murder. That was all she could think about morning, noon, and night. Totally normal, of course. Wanting to solve the murder of your daughter. Praying for new leads. For the police to catch someone. For someone to get locked up. She was barely hanging on. She was simply existing. Knowing that there was someone out there walking free while her daughter was no longer living. She missed her daughter so much, every second, with every breath. Her and her son struggled over this, as Valerie's brother had too hard of a time talking about the sister he loved so much and missed her terribly every day. He wanted to push the memories down. The grieving process for him was so much different. Rachel couldn't reach out to him and talk about the child she longed to hug again. So over time, their relationship became rocky, struggling to find a balance on how best to go forward together. They couldn't quite figure out how to support the other and still get the support they needed for themselves. Rachel, having had to have funerals for two of her children and becoming estranged from the last surviving child, was finding it harder and harder to cope and finding it harder and harder to find people to lean on. Luckily, she still had her aunt. Rachel had so much tragedy and sadness in her life. This is the story of Valerie Martin's murder. How did you find out about Valerie's death? I found out on the phone about 11 at night, the same day, my, my son called me. And uh, my two knees hit the marble floor and I just yelled out my heart. I couldn't believe it happened to me, you know. It's like they say, oh, this will never happen to me. Well, I'm sorry, but it can. Yes, that must have been a very, very terrible day for you. On the 17th of December, 2008, Valerie Martin, who was still so young, a girl of just 20 years old, 
still too young to truly understand the lifestyle that she had begun to lead could have such disastrous consequences. She wanted independence. This petite, beautiful young woman had moved in with her boyfriend, a man aged 15 years her senior, a man known to police for possessing narcotics and breaking and entering into homes. He was 35 years old. She was only 20. Being a teenager when they met, the appeal of being with an older man, a father-type figure, pulled her away from her family and her home life. It pulled her into a world she was ill-equipped to deal with. She couldn't have known that her life was not only about to change, but was to be taken from her. She couldn't have known this boyfriend she so adored, who seems to have been involved in things that put her life in danger. She couldn't have known she was being taken advantage of and that being loved means not putting you in situations that you are in harm's way. Poor, dear little Valerie was at home in the apartment she had moved into only six months prior when someone, or likely several people, broke in through the front door and forced their way into her home, into the place where she felt safe, into her home where she felt protected, into her home that was no longer a refuge, into her home. Sometime around lunch on that Wednesday, while she was in her little apartment that she was so excited about, possibly sitting at her table writing the poetry she so enjoyed, she was brutally attacked and killed. She was stabbed to death. This young girl, lying dead in her residence, a life cut short. That makes me so sad. Neighbors stopped by around 3.50 in the afternoon and made the gruesome discovery. They called the police and said that a man was dead and it looked like Valerie Martin was dead as well. Police said that the crime scene was very complicated. After interviews were made by them, it appeared that nobody saw anything and nobody heard anything. This is a drug-related thing, which nobody has put their nose, I think, uh, far enough into it to really find out what happened, because everybody's scared shit. So you said it's a drug case. Why is it that you think that? Because uh, she was 20, he was 36, one of the biggest uh, dope dealers in Hushlagomazonev. And from what I've heard, he owed his ass off. So they warned him to stop selling his dope in a certain place, which he did not do. So they went in and they got they, they wanted to kill him. But too bad my daughter was in the other room. <laughs>
So they made sure there was no witnesses left. Oh my goodness, that is so tragic. And nobody's ever to speak in, or spoken out loud that this is related to drug drug racket. Okay. So I hope that for the first time, somebody somewhere out there is living with this on his heart that he did that to my daughter. I don't know how he can look at himself in the mirror in the morning. Neither do I, that's for sure. So the police have never actually put this in a classification as a drug-related murders? Well, they've got a hunch on it, yes. But it's like everybody's scared or something, you know? She deserves it. She deserved her whole life. It was only 20, had everything in front of her, and they took it all away from her. <laughs> everything. Yes. I hope do. she has a right to find out who killed her. You know what I mean? Everyone deserves the right to know who killed them, for sure. And yeah. you deserve to know that, to bring yeah. you some comfort in your life. I just want my daughter to rest in peace. That's all I want. Right now, she is not in peace. Because this thing is roaming around the streets again. Still. Yes. There were so many detectives on this case that it was hard for the mother to keep track of them all. She felt as though no one was really advocating for her daughter. Now, I know you had said to me the police had changed detectives many times. Can you tell me a little bit about how you felt the police investigation went at the beginning? Well, uh, the first detective that was on the case, too bad for him, but his wife had uh, cancer, so he had to let go of his job after uh, many, after a couple of years on my daughter's case. And then it changed once and twice. I'm not too sure, you know, but, you know, it seems that they put a new detective on the case, which knows nothing about the damn, the damn file. That's, you know? Right. So it's... Nothing is going forward. It seems it's just staying on park. Mm, that must be hard. So you don't. That's what I feel like. Everything's on park. They don't give a shit because it's a drug-related thing. You feel that because it was a drug-related double murder that the yep. police aren't putting as much no nope. effort into it. Okay. No, they don't. They, it seems that nobody cares. That's eating me alive inside out. Of course, nobody should feel like that after their daughter was murdered, that's for sure. There's not a single day I don't wake up in the morning and I don't have her up my brain. And let's hope that the police are listening to this also and maybe they'll have some new leads and people will call in tips and I will be giving a number after for okay, people well, to just, call in. Uh, just to say a very personal thank you to the first detective that was on the case because in the beginning I was not a real good person with the detectives but he toughed me out and he did a real good job while he was on the case so I would like to thank Detective Paradiso from the bottom of my heart. Well I'm sure he will appreciate that absolutely. Yes. Yes. It must have been hard at the beginning. You must have been sort of angry and using that anger and projecting it at the detective, which would be a normal reaction. Of course, they were part of the fault for me, you know? Of like, course. It's their fault. They can't find who did this. But no, they were trying to just do a job like anybody else, like any other father of a family, because there are fathers of families in police too, you know? Right. I'd give my life any time to bring her back. Yes. I'm my life's over almost, you know, but hers was just beginning. 
I'm here. I'm I'm here. I'm still here on this planet for a reason, and I don't know what it is, but maybe my reason is like for today. Right. Well, maybe your reason is to help others going through something like this. You struggled with drugs. How did you stop using drugs? Maybe you can help a young person out there with what you well, did. To I got help up. Them. I packed up. I I ran away from the uh, the surroundings that I had around me. I moved. Uh, I was uh, down in Royon um, Point uh, Saint Charles, and then I, I moved somewhere else where I had no neighbors that I knew. I had no friends around, and no dealers can come and give me any gifts to get me started again. And I got out of, off it on my own, very slowly, surely. Uh, I had a couple of uh, fallbacks on my face, but uh, in French they say, "Tombé si tu mains divin." When I get back up, I just get back up stronger as ever. Good for you. That's something to be very proud of, Rachel. Yes, yes. But I would even be prouder of myself if all this uh, energy and time and, you know, heartbreaking stuff that I go through since she's died, I just hope it's all worth it one day that they find this piece of human being that, that killed my daughter. I hope so, too. He's not even a piece of human being. No. No, he is not. That is for sure. Word of mouth is such a powerful tool that if you could tell everyone you know about Mourning the Murdered, that would be so helpful to us and we would really appreciate it. You can let them know that we can be found on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. So be sure to download each episode and... Don't forget to like us on Facebook. This will really help us get more exposure. Thanks so much. And don't forget, tell a friend. I would really like for this podcast to drop weekly so as many loved ones' voices can be heard as possible. Morning the Murdered have both Patreon and PayPal accounts. If you would be able to contribute to help us to keep the show going, we would greatly appreciate it and thank you in advance. You would get a shout out on a future episode and we would mail you a thank you card signed by me. You can find us at Patreon or for PayPal, send to morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E-M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com. Thank you for your generosity. And now back to the show. Now, you told me the last time we spoke about the SPVM site. And can you tell us a little bit about that website for listeners that don't know what it is? Okay, it took me at least almost a year, year and a half, just to try and get the the SPVM to put a small paragraph on their Google website, uh, which is for uh, unsolved murders. It took me almost all that time being pinged calling, calling, they waiting for calls, but they finally put it up on Google. It's like it was a satisfaction after, but there's nothing that's happened since. And when was that? I would say about three and a half to four years ago. Okay. So nothing has moved, nothing has budged. Wow. Well, I know I looked at the site and saw your daughter's beautiful face, so... Hopefully other people will go to the SPVM website and take a look and see your daughter and read a little bit about the case as well. She felt as though no one was really advocating for her daughter. 
Rachel felt that she was not getting the answers that she wanted from the police. And as though Valerie was forgotten. Imagine feeling like that. Your child has been murdered and you feel that the police have forgotten about her. So she made an appointment with the coroner to see the report herself. To maybe get some answers. To maybe understand what happened to her poor little daughter. To find out what happened to Valerie. To have the answers she was so desperately looking for. She went and she heard. What she heard was that the person or people who killed her daughter did it in a very brutal way. We are unable to share too many specifics of Valerie's murder as the case is ongoing and the police do not want to have it hindered. Very sadly, Valerie's mom now sees as the last picture in her mind the images from that coroner's office. The images of her poor, beautiful daughter's face after she had been brutally attacked and killed. You can not only hear the sadness, but feel it when she talks about this. It seems like her life wasn't worth very much because the the um, investigation, there's nothing happening, there's nobody calling, and I just can't I imagine that anybody out there just knows something somehow, somewhere, to get this thing, this man, this thing I call, off the street so he does not do anything like they did to my child again. Because when they killed my daughter, they made sure she died at least three to four times before she even died. They really wanted not her to get back up. So she was, uh, it was real bad. I can't say, I can't give any details about the coroner's report. But uh, you can't even treat an, an animal in the woods like they did to my daughter. That is so heartbreaking. Well, she had a, a beautiful face, but my last picture of my daughter was across a window at the coroner's office. And my daughter was not my daughter across that window. No, that must have been a terrible day. Tell That's it. the last scene I have of my daughter, her whole face swollen and... She didn't look like her own self. Tell us a little bit about that day. How did you get to the coroner's office? Is that something you chose to do, or did the police ask you to go? No, I I went on. I, I went over everybody's head. I called the coroner myself directly, and I wanted to see that report because they're trying to get because it's an unsolved murder. I can understand that they don't want me to see every detail in the file. I can understand that but I am her mother. Nobody else's. Yes, that's right. And was there anything during the early days of the investigation that helped you to get through each day? Well, my grandkids, which I'm still fighting for today. Okay, well, that's good. At least you had your grandchildren at, to, to be there to make help you get through it. So what kind of advice could you give to someone else that might be going through this to help them get through the early days? Don't think too far ahead. It hurts. It's too much pain. Just get up in the morning, go through that day, and then tomorrow's another one. That's it. If that you go, don't go through it one day at a time, you will not get where I am today. 
and I'm surprised I'm still standing. That's really good advice. I, I think that that could really help people just living day by day. It's the only way. It's been a it's going to be 12 years, eight days before Christmas. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Do you need a minute? No. Okay. Uh, it's like every year I get two, two slaps behind the head. Christmas time is not Christmas time. And see, very soon is my birthday in a couple of weeks. And a week after that, it was my daughter's birthday. So come Christmas time is bullshit. And come my birthday is no birthday at all. Where do I get the pleasure of just, you know, having the same feelings that anybody else has at their birthday or at Christmas? I will never get that again. I can imagine having your own three kids yes. losing two, one by murder, one by natural causes. No. And then the last one you have, you can't even speak with them. So I'm so lucky that a year after I have, I, I got a dog. Somebody offered me a dog and I still have her today. And she's literally saved my life. Well, a 14 pound little mutt, but oh. she slaved my life. What is your dog's name? Oh boy. <laughs> now are you coming to get me? <laughs> I used I used to call my daughter Dun. And when this dog came into my life a year after, she was yapping like my daughter, she was alive like my daughter, but I just couldn't call my my dog Dun because I called my my daughter Dun. Okay. So I decided to call my dog Dudun. Oh. The smaller Dun. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that's my dog's name. Didn't she wears the she wears half of my daughter's name. Oh, isn't that precious? Having a dog for you was kind of like therapy for some people, so maybe zoo therapy, I believe it in it a hundred percent. Right. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Well that's great. Have you ever what kind of dog do you have, by the way? Oh, she's a little Jack Russell uh, mixed with Terrier. Oh, that's... She's the, light, she's the light of my life. That's great. Is is uh, is she a friendly dog or...? A very, very. She's a lovable thing. She, She's uh, the, the parish dog around my house because I've been living here for like 11 years. She knows every neighbor. She goes to which door. She knows the, <laughs> where the treats come out from. She's very, very, very intelligent. Oh. She's yes. she's almost like a therapy dog by going out and greeting oh, all is. the neighbors. Oh, she is, and she's got a particular neighbor, which is like a, a, her second master. She goes there every day to say hi. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, she goes, she puts her two paws in, in the door, she scratches the door, by. she knocks by scratching the door, <laughs> and he answers to her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no, she's the light of my day. She makes me laugh every single day, even if I'm not up to it, even if I'm having a terrible, rotten day. I just look at her, my smile comes right back. Oh, well, I am happy. See, and look, you can even hear that in your voice. You're having a little bit of happiness in your oh, no. voice. If I wouldn't have this dog, I wouldn't be talking to, with you right now. Before we were talking about your son that was born 14 months after Valerie, tell yes. us about him and how your relationship is with him today. Yeah, well, he, he's having a whole lot of trouble of dealing with his, his uh, sister's death. He's having a whole lot of trouble. He, ha he even has information which he is not going to give to the detectives, which could maybe give us a hint to the murder, the murderer. But uh, he just can't go through it. Uh, actually, he's the one that called me with your number because he can't do it himself. Because I'm the strong one in the family. Well, I'm glad he called you and that you're able to get the story out. That's for sure. It has to. Yes. It has to. She deserved at least that. 
is very, very hard on him, and he does not want to get involved. I can also understand because he has a couple of kids of himself to himself. And everybody so it's pretty do- dangerous for him to try and you know get some information across. He's scared. He's scared himself for his life. And, and I can understand that. And everyone deals with things differently, right? Some people can't talk about it. So I'm really yeah. happy that he was able to get us in touch so that you could get Valerie's story out. Mm-hmm. That's... Oh, yes. As long as I got a breath of my body, I will not take away hope. That's very well said. I really like that. Nobody can take that away from me. And I can... if I let go, it's like if I'm letting her go too. It's like if I'm flushing her. I'm not flushing my daughter. I just cannot stop, and I will not stop until we do get this guy. God, it hurts so much. (laughs) I'm asking you to please help us solve this case. If you have any information, however insignificant it may seem to you, Please give that information to InfoCrime. Their phone number is 514-393-1133. I will repeat that for you. 514-393-1133. All calls will remain strictly confidential. Rachel is hurting so badly and feels that this podcast may help to get information. So let's do it. Let's help her. Someone out there knows something. It has been 11 years since her daughter, Valerie, a part of her, was murdered. After all these years... Maybe someone is willing to come forward now. Maybe someone is willing to help bring this case to a close, find justice, and help give Rachel some peace. Finally, Valerie's mother, Rachel, has a dream where she sees Valerie at the coroner's office and her daughter's eyes pop open and it seems as though she is screaming to her mother. Find him! Don't let go! Please! Find him! And Rachel is having a hard time moving forward because she promised her daughter she would find her killer. So this sits with her and haunts her day and night and into her dreams. I know that solving this case will help a mother who is desperate to put these animals behind bars and stop them from hurting anybody else. You had told me that Sun Youth has a $5,000 reward for your daughter's murder to catch the culprit that did this. What we got from uh, Sun Youth, uh, they're about the only people who offered us something. And you tell me that $5,000 for a double murder on a dope case, a drug case, that anybody's going to speak? Mm, I'd be damn surprised. So, you know, it's like the life of my daughter ain't worth more than a moose in the damn woods because you kill a moose today, you do five years prison, they seize everything, and you got a record. Okay? So my daughter's life was worth, what, 5000 bucks? This is an unreal 
this is really, really unreal. So I, I'm wondering if out there somebody has any money to throw away by the windows, would they throw maybe my daughter's way at Sun Youth to give my daughter a chance maybe to find out who did kill her? That would be great. So if any listeners out there are able to donate to Valerie Martin's cause, please call Sun Youth and donate money so that we can find who did this and give her mother some peace of mind. Who, who in the hell is going to speak for $5,000 for a double murder? That's what I don't get. Yes. You know, I thank Sun Youth so much from the bottom of my heart, but what is $5,000 for two people? It is nothing. Right. That's, uh, it's certainly, hopefully, after this podcast airs, we're able to get you some more money to get... I hope so. It's not for me. It's for... It's, it's to find the person who did this. I don't even want a damn penny. I don't even want to touch that money. All I want is this money to make somebody talk somewhere. Yes. That's what my goal is, to get him off the street so he doesn't do the same thing again. Yes. That's, uh, that would be great. And let's hope that the police are listening to this also, and maybe they'll have some new leads and people will call in tips, and I will be giving a number after. You guys any, got any family out there? Tell them you love them. For me, it's like if she was she. It's like if she was killed the day before yesterday. My wound is so big and so not closed. Right. You know. Yes. For me, for me and my body and my brain and my heart, it's it's still fresh. If you have the means to help and donate money to Sun Youth. To bring that $5,000 donation to an amount that may encourage someone to come forward with information, please call Sun Youth at 514-842-6822. That's 514-842-6822. You can also go to their website at sunyouthorg.com. You can hear this mother, Rachel and what she has been through, and how devastatingly broken she is. We can't fix her, but we can perhaps help her out and find the murderer or murderers. Thank you. This loving mother and her children spent many summers camping and enjoying a beautiful area south of Montreal called Chambly. They would go there to camp and spend quality time as a family there was an island there where she and her children would spend hours exploring, running around, chasing each other, hiding behind trees, chasing butterflies. When Rachel's son died at 38 days old, she went and left his ashes there, on the island in Chambly, where she has great memories with her children. And 20 years later, she left Valerie's ashes there too. To forever be together with the twin brother she missed all her life. How sad is that? But lovely that they have a place to go to. There has been a plaque put up there in their honor. And as you know, while uh, her twin brother died, he was 38 days, that took a lot out of her too by losing her twin brother. It's like half of her, she was missing something all her life. 
Oh, you know, yes. And uh, I went and I put her ashes up in Chambly. Uh, that's another battle, actually. I demanded just the minister of the conservation of the nature of Canada to be able to go put a plaque up where I put their ashes because I uh, had uh, her brother's ashes for me for ten years, and then I found Chambly with my two kids. And this was like a corner of paradise, not too far from Montreal. We used to go camp out there, sleep on the island and everything. And uh, when my daughter passed away, I took her ashes and brought it at the same place as, as her brother. I started out with the mayor. I went to the funeral home at Pinchambly. I, I made so many calls and I waited for so many answers for so many people. But I, and then I went up to the, the Ministère de la Faune. And finally, after all that hard work and all those phone calls, Rachel's twin children were back together up in Chambly with the plaque that their mother worked so hard to have put there for them. Thank you for being with me today. I really appreciate your time. And I hope that after the podcast, we can get some more information for you and that people will call Sun Youth with donations. I hope so, because my daughter was worth every damn penny that anybody's going to give for her finding the murderer. Please help out. Just please. Here is a poem written in Valerie's hand. One of the only things that her mother has left to remember Valerie by, along with all the memories. I will loosely translate it from French to English directly after her mother reads these haunting words. Okay, listen to this. Vive dans le moment présent. Il faut suivre le mouvement. Avec tous ces longs tournants, tu t'es perdu dans le temps. Dur de suivre la cadence dans un monde rempli de méfiance. Tout devient lourd dans balance. Tout finit dans l'oubliance. Tu peux essayer de courir, mais tu vas toujours souffrir. Mon quartier ne va pas partir. C'est l'endroit où plusieurs vont mourir. Un oh. quartier dangereux, ne sois pas un peu heureux. La vie est un jeu et mon quartier, ton, ton enjeu. Une minute, là, I'm almost done. The, 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 the ending of it gets to you. That's where she knows that she's going to die. It's like, what the fuck? Okay. Ne crois pas t'y installer parce que tu vas finir poignardé. Ne cherche pas à y être apprécié, mon quartier va te briser. Ici, on n'est pas dénigrier. Dans mon quartier, aucune pitié. Tu dois t'y plier. Ici, on a des enfants pour pouvoir retirer plus d'argent à notre cher gouvernement. On va, on va te rentrer dedans. Oh. Oh, huh? oh, that she, is absolutely, it, it pulls at the heartstrings. And heart it's written strings. from her hand. She wrote this just a couple months before she died. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Nobody, no, nobody has this but me. Live in the moment, we must follow the movement. With all of those long turns, you lose yourself in time. Hard to follow the rhythm in a world filled with mistrust. All becomes heavy in the balance. All ends with forgetfulness. You can try to run, but you will always suffer. You cannot leave my neighborhood. It's an area where many will die. It's a dangerous neighborhood, so don't show fear. Life is a game, and my neighborhood the stakes. 
Don't get settled in because you will end up stabbed. Don't look to be appreciated. My neighborhood will break you down. In my neighborhood, no mercy. When we have kids, we receive money from our dear government. We will take whatever we can from them. I'm not quite sure how people move on after a tragedy. There are support groups online and face-to-face, -face, and there are books and family and friends to lean on. But in reality, when someone loses a loved one to murder, they lose a piece of themselves that can never be returned. Memories are all that are left. So talk about your loved one and let the world know how important they will be to you forever. These memories become valuable treasures. No one will ever understand your pain, but surround yourself with those that can understand how important it is for you to share your story. I will now light a candle for the victim and their loved ones, ensuring their memory lives on and burns brightly. You are remembered. I want to take a moment and extend my most sincere and humble gratitude to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or if you would like your voice to be heard on Morning the Murdered and tell the story of your loved one, email me at morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D -E -E at gmail.com Thank you to Dennis for editing this podcast. You are absolutely indispensable. Thank you so much. A huge shout out to Patrick for creating the original music that you hear. And the artwork for this podcast was created by Talia with support from Matt and Mick. Thanks so much, guys.